Listen, today we're starting a brand new series called Rhythms of Life. Rhythms of Life. Let me explain to you what I mean when I say the word rhythm. Uh, I think we're familiar with rhythms. We know that we live in a world of rhythms. Let me kind of give you a definition to help us understand this. The two, I got us off the website. There's two definitions that I like. Second one is my favorite. It's a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound. Uh, that's what a rhythm is. Here's a number two. It's regularly reoccurring sequence of events, actions, or processes. Now, this is my favorite, that, that we know that a rhythm is something that's recurring. It's a sequence of events, actions, and processes. So when you think about rhythms, we know that we live in a world of rhythms. Let me illustrate it like this. Uh, tell me how many hours there are going to be in today. How many hours? Say it. It's not a trick question. How many hours? 24. How many hours are we going to have in the day tomorrow? What about the day after that? So you see the pattern here, right? So that's a rhythm that we're used to, 24-hour days, and you don't get one hour more, one hour less. That's just what we have, and it's a rhythm that will repeat every single day of the year for as long as God lets us be here, right? So we think about the calendar. Calendar, you've got, you know, the months of the year. Everybody likes uh, keeping up and track with the days and the, of the week and all of that in the months of the year. We know that that's a rhythm. That's why many of us, we love January. Uh, because it's a, a fresh start to the new rhythm of life that we're in. Uh, none of us expected the calendar to give us what we've got in 2020. And we want this rhythm to be over and let's start a new one. Um, what about this? What about seasons? Seasons is a part of the rhythms of life, right? So we've got the four seasons. And uh, what's great about East Texas is that you can get all four seasons in one day here, right? And so we get like the rhythm um, here. So another one is what about school and, and, and sports seasons, school year and sports seasons? That's another rhythm that we have, right? And so we kind of get used to these certain patterns. In fact, the reason some of you, you kind of feel like during COVID-19, like a fish out of the water, it's because your rhythms that you've been accustomed to have been messed up, right? So some of you guys have told me, man, I just feel like something is wrong because this is a time of the year where I watch a lot of baseball and there's no baseball to watch and I don't know what to do with my time. Because So you feel like your kind of life is off kilter because that rhythm has been broken. For my family, we're basketball people and so the month of May and June is sacred for us because that's NBA playoffs. And so we have just felt like it's not even May and June because we've not had that rhythm uh, as a part of our life. So how many of you would say because of rhythms being interrupted that we, we get so accustomed to, we don't even think about the repetition and the, just the, the rhythms that we have. How many of you during COVID-19 have had days where you did not know what day it was because your rhythms have been messed up? I think all of us have experienced that. And what we want to do is we think about rhythms. We've never appreciated them more than we do right now because we're missing them. I want to focus this summer on developing spiritual rhythms as followers of Jesus. And so this summer, we're going to be actually doing this series in two parts. We're going to look at inward rhythms, and then we're going to look at outward rhythms. Inward rhythms, things that I do in, in my personal walk with Jesus, and outward rhythms as things that I've created, habits or a process that I'm creating in my life um, as I deal with the world around me. And I think it's important that we understand what spiritual rhythms are and what they're not. Um, and this morning, what I'm going to do, before we jump into the rhythms that we're going to start with next week, I want to give you the why behind the what. So before I tell you what rhythms that we need to develop in our life, I want to make sure that we understand why we do these things. Because I think if we miss the why, we're either not going to do the what or we're going to do it and not understand the reason we're doing it. And over time, what will happen is, is that your rhythms will be broken 
and you won't start them. So I want to make sure this morning we understand why we develop spiritual rhythms in our lives. Let me start with asking two simple questions. The first one I'm going to get you to answer out loud, hands raised, however you want to answer. The second one I'm going to give you a moment just to kind of think through and then um, I'll talk about that second one. So the first question I want you to wrestle with is this. And I want you to answer, how many of you want to be a healthy and faithful follower of Jesus? Raise your hand if that's you or say amen or that's me or whatever. Okay, so most everybody raised their hand. Like you, you want to be, unless you're kind of exploring Christianity or maybe you've been burnt out on it and you're just here because family's here or whatever. But I would say most of us would say, this is the target. This is the aim. I want to be a healthy and faithful follower of Jesus. Um, and that's the desire. That's the aim for most of us in this room. So question number two, I don't want you to answer out loud. I want you kind of internalize this and, and wrestle with this question. Question number two is this. What does it look like to be a healthy and faithful follower of Jesus? So if this is what we want to be, what does it look like? Take a moment, just think in your mind, what does that look like? I think it's important that we kind of understand what we're running after, right? If this is what we want, how do you know if you get it, if you haven't thought about it? So here's what I'm going to dare to say. I would dare to say that 90% of you, if not 100% of you in this room, who said yes to this answer, probably when you're thinking about the answer to this question, you're probably thinking to yourself something like, uh, I need to read my Bible, I need to pray, I need to go to church. Most of us, to answer this question, you started making a to-do list. That if I'm going to be a healthy faithful follower of Jesus. These are things, I got to do these things. And you automatically went to, what can I do to be this? And here's the problem with this. We're going to get to the to-dos. We're going to get to the reading the Bible and the praying and all of those things. But here's the problem. Our natural inclination in regards to most of our life, and, in, and particularly in our relationship with Jesus, is when we think about the health of our relationship with Jesus, we automatically move to our performance and what we do for him, and really don't give consideration to what he wants to do in us, which is really the key. And if we jump to doing before we understand what he is doing, our doing then gets in the way of what he wants to do in our life. And it's important, so as we jump into this, you say, why are you driving this home? Because what I don't want to happen is for us to get to the end of this series and for you to have a checklist Christianity where each day you're like, okay, I'm going to fail or pass based upon did I do enough to feel like that I'm the healthy, faithful follower of Jesus? What I want you doing is leaving today, understanding the essence of Christianity so that as you pursue these rhythms of your life, you'll understand why you do them so that you, you're not getting a checklist accomplished, but rather you're growing in something so much more great and meaningful in your life. So let me give you, give you this answer. What, what is the essence of Christianity? What is the essence of the Christian life? There's one word that defines the essence of Christianity, and it's the word relationship. It's the word Relationship. This is what God wants with you more than anything else. He wants a personal, intimate relationship with you. And if we don't establish that, we could get really busy developing a lot of habits and rhythms in our life. And check this out. If the answer to the question is uh, of, of, of what is a healthy, faithful follower of Jesus look like, if the answer is my checklist of reading and going to church and praying and doing all of these things, here's the question. Could I do those things and not even be a Christian? What's the answer to that? Absolutely. 
Man, I could do a lot of spiritual activity and I could do a lot of religious practices and not even have a relationship with Jesus. So we have to first look at the most important, the essence of Christianity, which is the relationship that God wants to establish with you and I through Jesus. And from that relationship, all of these other rhythms of life flow from. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to grab your Bibles, if you would, and I want you to turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Uh, This whole subject is near and dear to me, and specifically the sermon that I'm preaching this morning is near and dear to my life because most of my Christian walk, um, I was pretty good at doing the things that I thought good Christians do and not really discovering why I did them. Can anybody relate to that? Like, I knew Christ. I was saved. But if you were to ask me, why do you read your Bible? Why do you go to church? Why do you pray? Here would be my answer, because that's what Christians do. And if you don't do those things, you feel like a failure. So the essence of Christianity for me wasn't relationship. It was, I got to not say those words, drink those drinks, go those places, hang with those friends. I also need to read my Bible. I need to pray. I need to make sure that I at least try to be at church a few times a month. And if I'm doing those things and God is good with me, but if he's, I'm not doing those things, I don't know where I stand. And it wasn't until I was in college and even got my first church job before I was discipled and discovered that the essence of Christianity isn't my checklist, it's the relationship that God wants to have with me. And so Jesus in John chapter 15 is going to help us understand this relationship. Jesus, in this passage, we're only going to read two verses, but in the entire section, uh, stretching from chapter 13 all the way to chapter 17, Jesus spends the majority of this time preparing his disciples for his departure and helping them understand what life in the Spirit is going to look like once he ascends to heaven. So what Jesus is doing in these teachings, he's helping us understand this is how we live until he comes back. And this is the the point of what it means to be a follower of him now that we've received the gift of the Holy Spirit. So John chapter 15 kind of summarizes much of what Jesus says. This is what he communicates. He says, abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Say it like you're away. You can do? You can do nothing. Now, listen, we can get really busy at something, right? We can go to church and read our Bible and we can try to be good people and we can really give all the effort we can in our flesh. But at the end of the day, here's what Jesus says. You're going to have a big nothing burger is what you're going to have when it's over with. Because you've done nothing of spiritual significance. This is what Jesus wants us to see. That apart from him, all the things we do mean nothing. So I'm going to give you four truths here. Four spiritual truths that we learn from Jesus in this passage. What it looks like to spend our life with him. Number one is this. Listen to this. Jesus is our source of spiritual life. The first thing I want you to see is Jesus is our source of spiritual life. Look what he says in verse 4. He says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. Now, Jesus is using an agricultural metaphor to describe the Christian life. He says, listen to this, that our relationship with him is the same relationship that a branch has with the vine or a a branch of a tree has with the tree trunk. 
It's the same relationship that we have with Jesus. And he's wanting us to understand that this is the, the, the greatest picture, really, that we can have to describe what it means to be successful in the Christian walk. Listen to what the analogy is, uh, is meaning to communicate. So the vine, listen to this, is the source of life and vitality of the plant and the tree. But the branch does not have life in and of itself. Branches are only extensions of the vine and have no real life in them whatsoever. The branch is only, branch is only an extension. The, the only life a branch has is the life it receives from where? From the vine. And if you don't believe me, let's just kind of do a homework project. I want you to go home. I want you to find your favorite tree. I want you to find the favorite branch on that tree, the, the branch of the tree that's lush and green and beautiful and, man, it's just vibrant and alive. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to cut the branch off the tree and lay it beside the tree. And here's what you're going to discover over the next few days. That branch is alive and vibrant and it just seems like, man, it's just so uh, alive. What's going to happen is it's going to be wither and it's going to die and it's going to dry up. Why? Because it has no life in it whatsoever except for the life that it receives from the vine. And Jesus is saying the same is true for you and me. That we have no life apart from him. And he really wants to make sure that we understand this analogy and the role that we play and the role that he plays. Look what he says in verse 5. He says this, and you're going to help me here for a moment. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. I am the vine, you are the branches. So answer this for me out loud like you're awake. Who is the vine? When you're uncertain of a question asked in church, just say Jesus, right? So, uh, so who is the vine? Jesus. Jesus is the what? All right, so who is the branch? Say, say we are. All right, so who are the branches? All right, so we are the, Jesus is the, listen, if we'll ever, ever fully understand this truth, it'll change our life. Most of us, the reason our life is dried up and withering spiritually, and the reason many of us are not seeing fruit produced through our life is because so many of us have assumed the role of vine and have tried to do for Jesus on our own, and we do not have the ability to do for Jesus. Why? Because he alone is the source of life. In the same way that a branch is completely dependent upon the vine to survive, we are dependent upon Jesus for everything we have spiritually. He is alone is the source of life for us. Many of us, we approach the Christian life like this. We, we, we are saved by grace through faith. And then we somehow move on beyond this and think that the Christian life is all about my power and my ability and my effort to work for Jesus and to do for Jesus. And here's what we've got to understand. Listen, when a person comes to faith in Christ, this is life-changing if we'll get this. When a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, something miraculous happens in them. They, in that moment, we are made alive in Christ, and the Spirit of God, which is the life of the believer, fills our life so that we are spiritually alive, but the life in us is not from us. It is God himself that is dwelling in our body, which means, listen, the life of a believer is found in Christ, and the only life that we have and the power that we have to do anything that God has called us to do is found in him. And, but, but here's the good news. Because the life of Jesus flows through you as a believer, everything Jesus wants you to do, you have the power in him to do. 
because he is the source of life. And if the source of life dwells inside of you, that means everything you need to be a faithful, healthy follower of Jesus Christ is at your disposal. But it doesn't come from you. It dwells in you. It comes from him. This is powerful. That's number one. These, all gonna, these, 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 these statements are going to build on one another. So number one is Jesus is a source of life. Here's number two. Write this down. Jesus invites us to abide in him, not work for him. Jesus invites us to abide in him. Why? Because he's the source of life. But the invitation is not just to come work for him. Look what he says in verse number four and five. I love this. He says, abide in me. So what does he say here? Everybody say the word. Abide. All right, just get used to that because it's going to happen a lot in the next few moments. All right. So what? Abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it in the vine. Neither can you unless you in me. Look at verse 5. He says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. So tell me this, say it all together. What's the one word that's repeated over and over again? What's the word? Abide. Abide. We have made Christianity so complicated. One word, abide. This is the Christian life. This is what it means for us to move toward health and vitality in our walk with Jesus. It's simply to abide. This word abide, by the way, is the Greek word minnow, and it is used between verses 4 and verse 10, or verse 16 rather, 10 times. Ten times in those few verses, Jesus is using this word over and over and over again. The word is a powerful word. It literally means to dwell in, to remain in for a length of time. I love this translation. This is a literal interpretation of this word minnow. It means to make your home in or with. What Jesus is simply saying is this, the Christian life is about Remaining moment by moment in Christ. It is about making your home in Christ. Abide. This is the secret to the Christian life. I love this. Jesus' invitation is not to work for him. It's to make a life with him. It is to walk with him and to know him and to pursue him and to enjoy him. It's not about doing for Jesus. Listen, it's about being with Jesus. In a moment, we're going to see when you get the being with, the doing will follow. But so many of us, we get driven by this performance mentality when the truth is Jesus does not want us to perform for him. He wants us to have proximity with him. So here's what we do. We treat Christianity like it's a job. You know what I'm talking about? Like some of you here today, like you're on the clock right now. And like, I got, we got to get some on Sunday. Christians go to church. This is what we do. It's our job. Jesus is the boss. We get the HR manual called the Bible out. We try to figure out where the loopholes are so we can not have to work as hard as everybody else. And so what is the job description we find for a Christian with Jesus as our boss, our slave driver? We got to read our Bible. We got to pray. We got to go to church. And we got to do all of these things because our job is to be Christians. And Christians, this is what we do. And then you have upper-level management of Christianity. And those kind of people are crazy. Their job description is they got to fast. Like, who wants to do that? And they got to serve at the church, and they got to go on mission trips, and they got to give money to the church. Those are like for the CEOs of the job of Christianity. Now, some of you are chuckling at this, but this is exactly the mentality. Some of you are here today because you know this week you've been slacking on the job, and you're planning on taking the day off. 
But you were like, I've been slacking all week. I've got to get brownie points with the boss, and so I'm going to come to church anyway. Maybe I'll get a raise one day. Maybe he'll give me a promotion. I'm going to do all these things hoping that I please the boss and I can get some things from him that I want. Listen, that is not the invitation of Jesus. The invitation of Jesus is the invitation into a relationship where we abide in him. Remember the first call that Jesus made to the disciples in the New Testament? What was the first invitation to Peter, James, and John? Come, follow me. That was an invitation to relationship. Come follow me. The word follow there in the uh, original language would have implied to become a disciple of. That was significant in this day. If you were to become a disciple of someone, you weren't just going to do for them. A disciple was to enter into a relationship with the teacher. And so when Jesus says, come follow me, here's what Jesus is saying. Come walk with me. Come live with me. Come eat with me. Come, Come listen to me. Come talk to me. Enter into a relationship with me. And from the relationship you have with me, you're going to become like me. The invitation was to relationship, to abide. That's the calling. One of my favorite discipleship passages in the New Testament is found in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 3, verse 13. It talks about Jesus calling the 12 disciples, and he tells us why he calls them. Look what he says here. I love this. He says, and he went up to the mountain and called to him, uh, to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. Now, this next verse is powerful. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles. Now, these next two words, so that. That's what we call a purpose clause. It's telling us why. So he's called the disciples. He's brought them to himself. He's chosen them so that, the purpose, listen to the next phrase, so that they might be with him. This is why he called them. Listen, it doesn't say, and he appointed the 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might work for him, but to be with him. Listen to me, beloved. One thing you need to know today, if you have been invited by the Holy Spirit into a relationship with God, and you have embraced by faith the gospel, and you've trusted in Jesus, let me tell you why Jesus calls you as his very own. He wants to be with you and you to be with him. A personal relationship. That's the invitation. And so many of us miss it. This is why I always say this. Christianity is not a religion. Religion is a set of practices that you do and you perform in hopes that you'll be embraced and accepted. A relationship. The gospel is about what Jesus has done for you And he has invited you because of what he has done to enter into a relationship with himself. And he appointed them so they might be with him. Listen, Jesus has called you and appointed you so that he might be with you and you be with him. This is a game changer in our journey. And this makes sense in relationships, right? Like, think about marriage, for instance. You know, marriage is, is a lot of stuff in marriage, right? You got to you know, you got money to manage, kids to raise, you got jobs and careers, you got to take care of all crazy schedules. And I, I do a lot of marriage counseling, and, and one of the things that I've discovered is, is that, that so many couples get so busy, like all, with all the activities, 
And they're going through a crisis. And one of the things I've discovered is the most, one of the most difficult things to do, but one of the most helpful things to do is, is rather than let's, let's not weed through all the chaos that got you here, let me just ask you one fundamental question. Why did you get married? And the answer is going to be is well, we didn't get married to do all this crazy stuff that's destroying the relationship. Why did you get married? Because we loved one another and we wanted to be with one another. Listen, can I tell you why Jesus redeemed you so that he could call you the bride of Christ? So that you could be in a relationship with him. To make you his own. And this is the invitation of Jesus. Now, where does the doing come? I told you these build on one another. So Jesus is the source of spiritual life. Jesus invites us to abide in him, not work for him. But when we abide in Jesus, he works through us. When we abide in Jesus, he works through us. Through us. Look what he says again in verse 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, listen to this, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Notice what Jesus says here. He says, when we abide in him, he works or produces fruit through us. The, the, the key to the fruit-filled life is to simply abide in him. And Think about the analogy again. The branch doesn't, listen to this, the branch doesn't produce fruit, the branch bears fruit. This is why Jesus says what he says. He says, listen to this, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that what? What's the word there? Bears. He doesn't say he it is that produces much fruit. Because the truth is, a branch doesn't produce anything. A branch only bears what the vine produces. You see, a branch does not have the ability to make fruit or to produce fruit. The branch, listen to this, is only the conduit by which the work of the, the invisible work of the vine becomes visible. So the life of the vine flowing through the branch that's abiding in the vine all of a sudden bears something that it did not make. It only displays the work of the vine. This is the Christian life. This is, this is the Christian life. Look at verse 5 again. Just look at the, the language here. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. God has never called us to produce anything. He has called us to bear what he produces through us. Most of us are so exhausted because we're trying so hard to produce the spiritual things that we think God wants from our life, and we're tired, and many of us are miserable. Let me ask you this question. Raise your hand. Have you, have you ever seen an orchard or been in an orchard? Anybody? Raise your hand if it's you. Some of you, like all services, like some of y'all need to get out of your neighborhood. Have you seen a picture of an orchard? Have you watched one on TV ever? Like, so I want you to think about this. If you've ever been in an orchard, here's what you're going to never discover. There will never be a moment. I've been in several. I've never once walked through and heard a branch going, today's the day today is the day it's gonna happen and he's sweating and all of a sudden poof, and the branch just starts yelling look what i done look what i did look at look at this right it's never happened it's never gonna happen why because a branch doesn't do anything except remain connected to the vine branch never strains never works hard never tries to roll up its sleeve to produce it just simply stays connected. And from that position, fruit then is produced 
through it. And that is the essence of the Christian life. Don't miss this. Go back to that verse in Mark chapter 3. Now listen to this. Jesus is calling the disciples, and he appointed the twelve whom he also named apostles, so that, the purpose, so that they might be with him. So that's the primary purpose, to be with him. But and he might send them out to preach and, listen to this one, have authority to cast out demons. So just think about what ha- what's happening, the flow of this. And he appointed the 12. Why did he appoint them? So they could be with him. And from the position of being with him, he could send them out by him. And when they go, they don't go in their own authority. They go in his authority. You see, when you are with him, you get sent by him. And when you get sent by him, you are given his strength to do whatever he sends you to do. It has never been up to us to be the ones that work for. It's abide with, and we abide with. He works through. That's the Christian life. Here's number four. Listen to this one. This is the result of all of this. Spiritual fruit displayed through me is the life of Jesus being lived in me. The question I want to answer with this is what is spiritual fruit? Spiritual fruit is this. Spiritual fruit displayed through me is the life of Jesus being lived in me. I think oftentimes we don't understand what spiritual fruit is. And what we see here in verse 5 again, look what he says. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. So when we abide in him, his life flows through us and he produces fruit that we bear. Don't miss the metaphor here. Because this metaphor not only helps us understand where spiritual fruit comes from, but it helps us understand what spiritual fruit is. So let's just think about the analogy. The fruit that a tree produces, let's say an apple tree. Why does an apple tree produce apples? Because that's the life of the tree. You see, the the, the apple is simply hanging on a branch. The apple hanging on the branch is simply the life that's in the tree being pressed out of the branch. That's why a fig tree bears figs and an orange tree bears oranges. Whatever the life is, that is what it produces. Spiritual fruit is not activity we do for Jesus. It is the life of Jesus that is pressed out of our lives when we abide in him. When we rest in his life as our source of life, his life flows from us and presses out of us. And the fruit of our life is the character and the nature of Jesus. Let me show you this, Galatians chapter 5. I love this. Paul gets it. He says, but the fruit of the, what's the word? Spirit. What is the Spirit? The Holy Spirit of God that dwells in me, the life of Jesus in me. It produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. This is the life of Jesus. The, 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 the fruit of the Spirit that we see in Galatians 5, let me tell you what it is. It is nothing more than a word picture describing the character and nature of Jesus. Who is Jesus? Jesus is love joy, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness.
goodness, faith, self-control, all of that. That is the essence of the character of Jesus. And I love this. Go back to verse 22. He says this. Verse 22 in Galatians 5. But the fruit of the, now listen to this. He doesn't say here, but the fruit of Todd. Or the fruit of whatever your name is. It's the fruit of the Spirit. I have never been called in and of myself to produce the character and the nature of Jesus. I have only been called to abide in Jesus and let his life flow through me. And when his life flows through me, his character, his nature is pressed out of my life so that the world who cannot see the activity of Jesus in me gets to see Jesus through me. This is what spiritual fruit is. And I think this is important because so many of us think that these rhythms of life, these behaviors, these patterns that we're going to be working through over the next several weeks, oftentimes here's what we think. We think that's the fruit of the Spirit. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. No, 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 no. no. What are the spiritual rhythms? The spiritual rhythms are simply ways by which we abide. That is all they are. So let me make this practical for you. Why do I read my Bible? Why do I pray? Why do I go to church? Why do I do those things? I don't do those things because that's what good Christians do. I do those things. I have those spiritual rhythms in my life because that's what it looks like to abide in him. So why do I read my Bible? I read my Bible because the scripture says that Jesus is the word made flesh dwelling among us. And so what I do is I understand I have been given invitation by Jesus to pull up a chair and sit by his side. And when I open this book, Jesus speaks to me. And because I'm in relationship with him, I want to hear his voice. Why do I pray? Because I need to get something from him or because I'm supposed to? No, 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 no. I don't pray to get something from Jesus. I pray to be with Jesus. And he has invited me into relationship where he says, listen, I love you and you love me. Pull up a chair, open the word. I have some things to say to you and I know you got some things to say to me. So let's just sit down and spend some time together because I, I know you're going to need life today and I am the source of that. So let's just sit down for a bit and spend some time together so that I can give you what you need so that when you leave, you're going to walk in this thing that's happening in us. Does that make sense? Why do I go to church? Because it's Sunday and this is the rhythm of Christians? No. I go to church because in this room right here, I get to gather with brothers and sisters in Christ who have been invited into relationship with God. Do you know that, that the church of Jesus is the only people group on the planet that has the distinct privilege of being called the people of God? So I want to come to church because I want to gather with brothers and sisters in Christ and I want to make much of my Savior who loved me and gave his life for me. And I want to have my heart stirred because of the word of God being opened. I do this because of relationship. Just think about the marriage analogy again. Think about what marriage is. Is marriage simply having a joint checking account with someone? What's the answer to that? Nope. Is marriage buying a house with someone? Is that the essence of marriage? Is it 
managing a calendar and saying, man, it just is easier and let's just kind of raise these kids together. That's not the essence of marriage. What is the essence of marriage? It's relationship. Like today, you won't leave here and go to the grocery store and just walk up to a stranger and say, hey, I was just thinking, uh, you want to open a checking account together? Or you won't just walk up to someone at work, they just kind of work at your place for six months, and you're like, hey, I was thinking, we ought to get a house together. They're going to look at you like, you're weird. Or just find some random person at the park and saying, hey, you look like you're really busy. You want to share the calendar so we can kind of make life a little easier? You wouldn't do that. Why? I'm going to tell you why. Listen to this. Because some behaviors and practices just don't make sense void of a relationship. It all starts with relationship. So all of these things that we do, we do from that position. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to take a moment and just meditate on the scriptures today. For some of you today, what you've discovered is, is that you have been living a religious life, but you have not been in genuine relationship with Jesus. And today is a day where you need to trade in your religion for the relationship. Some of you, you discovered today that Jesus is the source of life, and the reason you're so empty and broken is simply because, man, I've never been connected to the vine, and today is the day for you to turn from whatever you've been trusting in and, and, and cling to Jesus as your source of life and hope. You can simply confess your sin. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I, I don't have anything to offer. And I believe you died and you resurrected, and I want you to come and live inside of me and be my Lord and be my friend and give me life. And you can pray that right where you are. For some of you, that's where you need to be. Others of you in the room, you know Christ. And I want you to just reflect right now on this, on this thought. Are you abiding in him? Would you define your experience with Jesus right now where you are as one of a relationship that is growing because you're abiding in him? So whatever's getting in the way, let's confess that. There's a song that Zeke is going to sing. If you know it, I encourage you to sing along. I'm not going to tell you to stand or sit or kneel. I would say you assume the posture. I don't want us to be hearers of the word only. I want us to be doers of the word, which means we need to marinate for a moment. We need to rest in this word for a moment. I cannot think of a better song to be sung in the next few moments than the one that Zeke is about to sing because the lyrics of this song articulate beautifully what I've just talked about these past 35 minutes together. I want to encourage you. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart. Father, we love you. I ask now that you would save those who need to be saved, and Lord, that you would stir in us all a desire to lean into, to abide with, to walk with you, so that you can do in and through us what you desire.